Hello, welcome to the Unsmart Gamer. I'm your host Rob, and this is the A to Sigma Stat Center, recorded live on Twitch every Monday. If you would like to join us, you can join these wonderful people in the chat, as you can see all here. We're going to be looking at, I think, four or five event results from around the world today. We've got a big team tournament that happened in Australia. We had a Masters event in Texas, and we had some other little events dotted around all over, which is really cool. Um, we're also going to be taking a look at some of the stats. Uh, our stats dashboard has been updated on thehonestwargamer.com if you would like to go and check it out. I'll include the link in the show notes if you listen to it as a podcast. Stay hydrated. If you are watching it on YouTube, then please do like and subscribe and go click all of the show notes, which is located just below me here. Uh, so go do that, and that will take you to the stats and the stats dashboard uh, and all of that. I'm excited to find out what's happening in the event results. Like, like I, I don't know what could happen. It could be anything. I very much doubt, though, I'll see any, like, fumroid crushers or Underguts armies doing well, because that would just make it super weird. The very last thing I expect to see is Fiends of Sanesh, so I hope none of that comes up. Uh, but as usual, I uh, can't wait to get into these. Thanks to everyone for sending us the info, and thanks for Twitch for joining me live. So, the stats are updated, and not only do we know loads about the army faction rankings and also the win rates and meta representation and other stuff, we also know who the best-performing players of this GHB are. So here are the player stat results. You can find them all on the honestwargamer.com and you can find them on the stats tab. You can also follow the T Sports Stat Center Twitter, uh, soon to be a T Sports Stat Center TikTok uh, if Twitter implodes. Uh, but more on that later. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, here are the, event, the player event results. So these are the best performing players. Does this mean they're the best players in the world? Of course not. But it means they're the best performing players of this GHB and probably people who understand their armies and these GHBs better than everyone else. We take the top six event results from these players and we put them in the stats. So, in order. By the way, America dominating the stats. Absolutely dominating. We're going to look at the top 16 players, and the reason we're going to talk about the top 16 players is last year we invited the top 16 players from uh, the TSN rankings, and we we asked them to fly over to England and play in a tournament, which was cool, and we did that. Uh, Ronja won that uh, from Sweden, and then we also did the same for the UK, because obviously we're based in the UK. If you run one of those local metas, like Australia or Sweden, you could use these rankings to run your own top 16, which is super cool. Um, so, and Swaggy in the chat, because obviously I'm doing this live on Twitch, has said the Americans are the best, in his opinion. But obviously feel free to disagree with that at some point if you'd like to. So, top 16 in the world at the moment are Mr. Jeremy Vissier, captain of Team America uh, and leading from the front. He's got 28 wins out of 30 games with only two losses. Uh, he's right at the top there. Now, he's done it with a variety of different armies as well. He did it with KO, Fleshy, of course, I'm pretty certain. Definitely have done it with Fire Slayers as well. Jeremy has to be one of the... Uh, I've got, I have did an interview with Jeremy recently, which I'm posting online in the next month or so. Uh, but Jeremy has got like an absolutely razor-sharp mind both for the game and just generally for gaming in of itself. So, And he's been addicted to it since he was a kid. So Jeremy doing really, really well there. Gavin, uh, our big man down from Texas, lovely fella, uh, in second place. So again, another member of Team America. Uh, Tom Guan, the man, the myth, the legend, the silent killer, silent violence, uh, in third place. Emma Mangles, the mean queen herself, uh, in fourth place, lovely to see her up there. Uh, Freddie Leggett, now Freddie, fifth in the world. This is absolutely phenomenal stuff for Freddie. He's 25 and 5, doing really well. 
Um, Freddie's uh, a newer person, member of Team Lit. He's played in the past couple of years, uh, but he's been dominating. He's been playing all sorts of uh, lists. Very recently, two five O's with uh, Beast of Chaos with Cygors, if you remember, uh, in there. By the way, just, just to go through it, Gavin at the top playing a variety of different lists, including Squig, Seraphon, all sorts of stuff. I think I also saw him play Dr. Kane recently. Tom Guan playing a variety of lists as well, Bone Splitters. Um, so we're seeing uh, the top... Top three players at least, but several of these players in this list have playing multiple different armies, uh, which has been uh, really good. Um, Freddie Leggett doing great. Loads of different lists. Mr. Owen Jackson with the Reign of Stars. Uh, he's 24 and 6. Okay, he's done really well recently. He's taken a bunch of different memes. He was playing some Sylvaneth, switched up to the Reign of Stars list, got his first 5-0 the other day. Massive congratulations to him. Matt Beasley, I'm pretty certain he's our Nurgle player. But Matt, I don't, I just, it's just not catching with me right now. But loads of love to you. Matt doing really well. Christopher Schelling, also the same. But I'm pretty certain he's a Midwestern player, if that offends you. I'm sorry. But he's also US-based. Matt Beasley is US-based. So we've only got two UK players at the minute. Freddie and Owen helping keep the UK in it. Otherwise, it is a American stomp fest. Anthony Trentinelli in ninth place, a variety of different lists. Uh, also one of them, 5-0 Summer Slaughter with Sinesh. Um, uh, that's Anthony Trentinelli based in the U uh, US as well. Uh, Baz Jr., there we go, in 10th place, made it into the top 10. He's UK based. And again, one of the newer players around the scene, just been playing loads of events. Super happy for him. Alexander Gonzalez, US American based. Phil Marshall. Now, Phil has got an event result to come in. He's only got, he's the only player so far with only five event results. Oh, no, Anthony Trentinelli as well. Also, only five event results in. Uh, but Phil's owed 150 points, which would put him up into third place. That's UK. Put him as top UK at the moment. Mr. Adam Mumford. Oh, no, hold on. Steve from Partners at War. Steve Patek um, rocking there with uh, in 13th place, US-based. Adam Mumford, uh, our UK cockmaster, <laughs> in uh, 14th place. Joanne Noah Singh, our American Iron Jaws love and total babe, in 15th place. And then Hazel... Moon, uh, again, UK-based with her Ideneth Deepkin uh, in 16th. Now, just outside of that, you've got Matt the Nuge. Matt the Nuge in 17th. Carl Ong from uh, <laughs> from uh, Canada. Those two battling it out. Joe Cryer uh, from, um, uh, is he Midwest? Basically he is. And then Kieran Alanda. Uh, so those guys just vying for the top spot and trying to get in there, though. Um uh, like, so there we go. And yeah, so that's everything in the world stats. The stats, as always, are brought to you by Warhammer Rob, not me. Yeah, <laughs> different, better Rob, and also Ziggy. Both those two people. Warhammer Rob does all the inputting, and Ziggy makes it into this format here that you can go and click in the links. If you're watching this as a, as a YouTube video, if you listen to it as a podcast, then you can click those links and you can find those resources. You can look at themself. They're all free. Go check them out uh, and go look at them. Okay, the Met representation. This is how many of an army attend an event. Two-day events, don't forget. Okay, so Stormcast Eternals, easily the most popular. Why? I hear you cry. They have the most boring narrative in the universe. These are the dry white toast of wargaming. Now, that's fair. But they have dragons. And as we know, you don't even need particularly write good scripts and just put dragons in your show and it's going to do really well. Okay, dragons are like the secret source. Maybe when they wrote the myth of dragons sitting atop gold, they just meant when you put do something with dragons, it makes gold. 
And there we go. Stormcast Eternals, 9%. Uh, also, all the new people play it. They're like, hello, do you want to play Age of Sigma? And they're like, yeah, I do, thank you. And they're like, why don't you collect some Stormcast? And then loads of people are like, they're the easiest army to play. And they are easy, because they don't really have any synergy in there. Just whatever. They're just War Scrolls, basically, as an army. Um, with a billion characters that are all useless. Uh, so then, Sylvaneth, next. Most popular army, 7.4%. This is of no surprise to me. No surprise to me. This is because everyone loves a tree. Uh, we've been told a lot recently to go out and touch grass. And as wargamers, we don't. We generally don't go out and touch grass. And instead, we bring the grass inside and we play with our Sylvaneth armies. Don't go outside and touch the grass. Bring the grass in. Also, they're a fun army. They've got great minis. They've got a great narrative. They're tree people. Everyone loves Ents. All of that's great. Uh, thank you very much to Demon666. Uh, for bringing me, donating five pounds to the soup fund. Let's go. Soup, soup, soup. Let's go. Um, yeah, we also don't tend to touch uh, grass because tufts are expensive. But thank you for Demon for that. Um, some people have too much grass. That's also true. Right? They're also easy to slap chop. There's loads of good reasons. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the Sylvaneth, the Sylvaneth uh, army is super popular because it's an easy army to put together. And it's got a cool narrative. Nighthorn uh, all came in the starter box for second edition. There was loads of them out there. And then there's been this magazine series called Part Works. Not available in some countries, obviously. Uh, but that's where you got loads of Sylvaneth for cheap or free. Or, like, you could just, like... You could just go find them at car boot sales. Car boot sale is what we call like a garage sale if you're, if you're US-based. Um, uh, and so there's just loads of them. And they literally cost pennies. So Nighthorn. And they're cool. They're ghosts. Spooky ghosts. Ghost the film was very popular. Casper the Friendly Ghost is really popular. Um, just ghosts are generally... Ghost hunting is a thing, I think. Ghosts obviously aren't real. But there we go. Uh, but... That doesn't stop you from collecting them. So there they are. Uh, Magikin and Nurgle, 5.8%. Nurgle's a popular faction. Um, it's one of the uh, it's one of the Chaos Gods that's like pretty pretty common. Horset Games Workshop has like an inherent need to make Nurgle stuff strong in Age of Sigmar. Not really sure why. Uh, they always make corn stuff fighty, but not as fighty as other stuff. They always make Zinch like... They're like, this is complicated, but it's not really complicated at all. Uh, and then they make Lumineth, which is like, what the hell? Uh, but Magikin, super cool theme, great miniatures. Everyone loves, like, it's great to paint. There's loads of, like, pus and stuff. It's just, they're just great minis, right? So really fun, Magikin and Nurgle, and also incredibly strong. Uh, just before the Battle Scroll update, one of, if not the best army in the game. Super strong, Magikin and Nurgle up there. Dawn's Kane, 5.5%. Uh, gone are the days when they represented only about 2% of the fa of the meta. They're now at a solid 5.5% of the meta. One of the most popular armies uh, around. Uh, they're strong. They're powerful. They've got a great theme. Uh, they're just super popular. Skaven, 5.5%, which is pretty impressive. Everyone is sat on a Skaven army. They are all over the place. Loads of people got Skaven from Warhammer Fantasy Battle Days. Um, it's just, it, they're pretty easy to get into as well. Uh, you've got to paint up like a couple of Vermin Lords, which are cool minis, some Storm Fiends, and you, you're most of the way there, which is nice. Skaven um, uh, have got a great theme as well. They're Ratmen. Like, who doesn't love that, right? Uh, and then you kind of start to go down as well. You've got Seraphon, one of the most popular and most powerful armies in the game. Not only are they cool because they're dinosaurs, they're also super strong. So that's really great. So you love to see that. You also get a Toad, who's a magician. So that's great. Uh, and then Soulblight Gravelords, Iron Jaws, Deepkin, Sons of Behemoth. Now, this is all, don't forget, 
This has all been based off the past uh, four months of this GHB. Four or five months of this GHB from 106 tournaments. That's going to change significantly. You're going to see those Sons of Behemoth numbers skyrocket. You're going to see Ogres, who are currently at 2.4% of the matter, skyrocket. Uh, and go up, and we're also going to see Slaves to Darkness. I wouldn't be surprised if Slaves to Darkness are maybe the second most popular faction in the game uh, in six months. Six months to eight months when people have produced enough of the army, when they've built them uh, and they've painted them, I think they're going to be... Uh, it's going to be a slow burn, uh, but I think they'll be the most popular army in the game, second most popular army in the game. But we'll see. We'll see what everyone else thinks. Um, I don't think we'll ever see... Stormcast Eternals have... Two times not been the most popular. They were uh, once beat out by Gargants, and they were once beat out by Le um, uh, uh, by oh god, what are they called? But Legion of Nagash. Uh, so this is this is over the past four or five years I've been doing the stats. Uh, so, but Stormcast were almost always one of the most popular armies to play. Next bit of stat we're gonna look at is the positive win rate potential. So the PWP, PWP. Do that in front of your friends and people think you're very cool. <laughs> so the positive win rate potential is um, how likely or, or, or how often an army had a positive win rate potential of a 3-2 or more. Okay. When this is too high, when this is too high, it becomes a problem. Um, like when it's very high. At one point we had Gargants at like 80%. This meant you could literally roll your face on dice, pick the, put, the, put the dice in your mouth, spit them out, and use a Ouija board to determine what you wanted to do with your miniatures, and you probably were going to have a positive win rate potential. That's dropped down a little bit, but some armies are still pretty high, uh, and some armies don't even have the chance of getting near there. So just talking about the really high ones, Bone Splitters and Beast of Chaos, 69 and 67% win rate respectively. Sons of Behemoth are still up there at 63%. Now, this is one of those really, really interesting things that I talked about already. Sons of Behemoth are like sub 55% as a win rate, but their positive win rate potential is already high. So that means that they don't necessarily always hit that 5-0 all the time, but you can so regularly guarantee going 3-2 um, or higher with Gargants that it's like the new starter army. If you want one of your friends to feel like they can do okay, you paint them up big, four big Gargants, and you just let them just walk forward onto objectives, and they'll win half or more of their games. Right? Um, so they should be happy with that. Um, uh, and it's something to watch out for. Seraphon at 61%. Uh, so sure, their win rate isn't as high, but it's still it's still very regularly in the positive win rate potential. And then Disciples of Zinch and Daughters of Cain also. Disciples of Zinch players, where the meta representation was very low, is normally played by people who really understand how powerful that faction is. So that's something to be conscious of. Daughters of Cain, similar. Uh, Daughters of Cain, a uh, more popular army, um, and they they just have like some auto win conditions that are so effective. Um, they uh, they pose some problems which other people can't really deal with. And then everyone else is pretty much in the middle. And then we get to the we get to the I'll, I'll try and say this politely the shitters. Okay, <laughs> specifically these are armies where you're really going to struggle to go three two or have a positive win rate potential. And you've got cruel boys at twenty eight percent, bone reapers twenty nine percent. Gits at 31%, more tribes at 32%, although that's going to change. And then He Knights of Sinesh at 38%. It's the Cruel Boys' positive win rate potential, which is the real shocking element. So it's below 30%. So your, your opportunity to go 3-2 or higher, it's only happened 
28% of the time in those Cruel Boys plays. And these are people who are trying their hardest to get um, Cruel Boys uh, working and off the ground. Um, so, like, if you were look, just getting into Age of Sigmar, wanted to play, Armies Out of Void would be Cruel Boys, Bone Reapers, Gits, um, and Heathen Knights of Sinesh. I would definitely invest in ogres right now, as they're gonna they're gonna go up significantly in my opinion. Uh, so those are the armies to avoid. And if you're new and you want to get an army that's conti- going to continue to do well, I would pick up Sons of Behemoth um, if you want to do super well, because uh, they're going to continue to be great all the time. And the reason is it's important. Why? 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 They're very good on the primary. The two ways that you score points in Age of Sigmar. There's also grand strategies, but they should be deleted from the game. But we'll ignore them. Um, are you hold objectives by moving on to the objectives you then also score battle tactics which you do in each turn so you can either be strong on the primary strong on the secondary or strong on both ogres are strong on uh, not ogres sorry um sons of behemoth strong on both but they're very much strong on the primary they'll be even stronger on the primary next edition or in january when we get the new ghb because unmatched conquerors will go away so they're better like the stonks on gargants is actually up because their dominance on primary is going to increase so i would expect their win rate to actually go up not go down in the new ghp so very much looking forward to that depends on power tactics but they've got some good ones for themselves so they're fine so anyway yeah that's the positive win rate potential okay uh an interesting bit uh, from the stats is the drops and first turn choice stats okay so what does this mean when you build an army in age sigma you take battalions different battalions one of them most importantly is called a battle regiment if you have a battle regiment, it means that if you have all of your army in the battle regiment, you deploy it in one go, which is a one drop. If you have uh, a battle regiment, or if you have two battle regiments and all the requirements for that, and you drop them both down, one, then two, because you alternate deployments, then that's a two drop. Up until the point where you have no battle regiments, and you just have a billion gits, and you've got a 17 drop list, or something to that regard. Okay, uh, so having your drop count lower means you get the choice to go first versus your opponent. So in this GHB, um, 11%, well, nearly 12% of the lists were one-drop lists, with um, two, three, or four-drop lists being 8% or 10% for a four-drop list, basically. So 30, I worked it out just literally minutes ago, 37% of the lists are four-drops or less, with 12% being a one-drop specifically. It's quite interesting. This has changed a lot since the last GHB. The last GHB, uh, we had uh, none of the new core battalion. Oh, we did have core battalions. In the last one, we had um, Hunters in the Heartlands and also like a monster one, which I forget right now. Um, in that version, though, 21% of the lists were one drop and 13% were two drop. So already 35% were two drop or less, whereas now it's 37, which are four drop or less. Um, so there's been some significant changes in what battalions have been taken. And there's a load of reasons for this. Specifically, there are different artifacts or army builds. Maybe your army doesn't fit into a one drop. Maybe one of your armies like works better if it has more artifacts. Maybe your army just works better if it just has lots of drops. There's loads of reasons why. It's still interesting info, particularly good for team formats, particularly good if you want to build a list that you're really not sure exactly how, like you're like, I really want control on the first turn because I'd like to alpha strike my opponent or I would like to stop it so that I get alphaed, then you're going to need to know this information and I think it's fairly relevant. But it's lower than it was, but like you're still like, you're still in an interesting place. Like if you have a two drop list, 78% of the time, you're going to get the choice to go first with 8% being a roll off. It's pretty good, 
That's pretty good on a two drop. That's a double battle reg. The one where I think it's most interesting is a three drop. 68% of the time you get the choice to go first. That's when you've done like a battle reg and you've done bounty hunters or unmatched conquerors. So you've got the one or um, the one or three drop basically. It's kind of the big conversation at the moment in my opinion. So yeah, quite interesting this uh, and super worth looking at, especially if you're like designing your lists for competitive play. There's actually loads more stats to go through. Uh, there's tournament deep dives, there's T-whips, if you even know what a T-whip is, there's grid reports, there's how each army does in faction head-to-heads, uh, there's the army's uh, tournament performances, there's matchups and loads more to go through, as well as deep dives, looking at which sub-factions are doing better than other sub-factions inside of a book. But I'm going to do all that in a longer and more like intense, in-depth video uh, in the future because I'd like to uh, show list examples and other stuff so that stuff will be included in there as always thank you to Rob and Ziggy for producing these stats they're all free and available on the notswongamer.com also thank you to all of the TOs all around the world who've helped get us this information or players who've helped you all know who you are if you've helped get the information to us so we can get some good and healthy stats stats that are so good in fact that they've caused Games Workshop to have to do their own uh, which has been really positive. There are some variations between the stats here and Games Workshop stats, but not significant enough that I'm going to hold their feet over the fire on that situation. Um, but we're going to continue to do the stats to, to make sure, well, to keep them honest, right? It's in the title. So that's good. Anyway, go check them out. There's some real information in there, some real good stuff. Some You'll learn a lot. You can ask loads of questions. You can. Um, a good thing to do is also share them in your local community because there's lots of people in your community who might not know about that information and they might ask a bunch of questions why and then it's really good for opening up a discourse about like what units do how armies play what those other things and, and then your community and your local group will grow and get better at the game which is always healthy for you as a group so yeah go check them out okay a final bit on the stats i know i just ended the stats in the last video bit but i'm just going to quickly come back to this because he's put something really fun together um where we're going to talk about the very sharp end of the stats and it's something really worth talking about we use meta representation a lot um i like positive win rate potential as well to call look at some real problems or outliers in the game uh but we've done uh ziggy has done uh, a really interesting kind of breakdown here um, and there's one bit that I'd really like to talk about. He talked about the overall overall win rates. 75% of factions are between 45 and 55%, which is good. Uh, only 40% of factions, though, between 47.5 and 52.5. So if we were trying to get an even better, closer game, then that only 40% of the factions fit in there. Now, the bit that's quite important is the tournament performance outcome ratio. This is where if you have an army that represents 10% of the meta, so Stormcast Eternals, for example, then you would expect that they're of, of, like their 5-0s to be 10%. Because you'd be like, of all the 5-0s, 10% of those would be Stormcast Eternals. All the 4-1s, 10% of those would be uh, Stormcast Eternals as well, because they're 10%. So they should be 10% of all of the other results along the line, if that makes sense. Super easy. If you had an army that was only 5%, you would expect it to only have 5% of all the total 5-0s. So you take all the 5-0s that we've got in our event results, and then you compare them to the meta representation, and then if they're equal, that's a 1. If you have more... If you have more 5-0s than the meta representation, it starts going to purple um, or red or whatever the color it is. It starts going to bad news, and that's dangerous, okay? So, and to allow some variance between 0 0.8 and 1.2 for some variance, okay? Super easy, really simple. So if it's low, 
then the army's doing very bad. And if it's very high, the army is doing crazy. Okay, and that's where we're going to look at this next one. And I'll include a link to all this as well. So if we look at Stormcast Eternals, who are at the top, they represent 9.5% of the meta, and they're about 9% of the 5-plus wins. So it's great. That's about bang on average. They're 9% of the 4-plus wins, and they're 9% of the 3-plus wins. They are perfect. Green, green, green. Okay, Sylvaneth are a great example. 7.5% of the meta. They are... 7.3% of the 3-plus wins, 7.5% of the 4-plus wins, and then they really struggle to hit that 5-0 bracket, which is quite cool. But when we get into problem armies, Maggot King of Nurgle and Daughters of Cain, they're a little bit above average in the 3-plus win category. They're very above average, uh, or the our, our control of one uh, on a 4-plus win ratio, right? But when you get to 5-plus wins, they're one6 yeah, so they're much higher. They're 9% of the 5-0 wins when they're only 6% of the meta. They aren't the scariest ones, though. You're like, what about Seraphon, Rob? They're 2.6. They have 13.9% of the 5-0s for only 5.4% of their meta representation. But they're not even... So they're, they're two and a half times higher at win rates versus their meta representation, but that's where it, it gets even more crazy when you get to Beasts of Chaos. Beasts of Chaos are only 2.5% of the meta. So all the lists out there being run and played are only 2.5% of the meta. But they're 10% of the 5-0s. They have a 5-win ratio of 4.3. Like, like, it's just absolutely nuts now there's loads of stuff to say about how this works another good example would be uh if we go and look at the armies that are performing badly gloomspike gets a 2.6 percent of the meta so there are comparison bc chaos and gloomspike gets the difference between the two right <laughs> is they're both 2.5 percent of the meta for a three plus win ratio then um uh, gloomspike gets are at 0 0.7 and beasts of chaos are 1.4 on a 4-plus win ratio, Gits are a 0 0.3. Like, they just do not get 4-1s. Yeah. Whereas Beasts of Chaos are already a 1.7. They're already in danger category compared to Stormcaster a 0 0.9. But on the 5-win ratio, Gits have just a dash. And Beasts of Chaos have a 4.3. Fascinating stuff. Open to interpretation, but it's, it showcases that there is a little bit of a problem at the top and bottom end and how severe that problem is. Because maybe the win rates don't necessarily show that. Maybe uh, the positive win rate potential don't uh, show that. But this is another good way of showing it. So shout out to Ziggy for doing so because it looks great. I love that. And it shows you that there are some problem armies, significant problems. And that maybe they should have had more done to them in the Battle Scroll update. But uh, we'll see how uh, that ends up going. Okay. So the first event that we're going to look at this week is a team event. Now, these team event results don't go into the stats when we do the stats, but they are worth talking about because it's a great format for playing Warhammer. Team event is one of my favorite formats for Warhammer. The Runax Team Championships, which happens in Brisbane in Queensland every year, is, I think, Australia's largest Age of Sigmar team tournament. They had 28 teams, and the teams consisted of four people each. Now, it was won by Prepping for Sorcon. Prepping for Sorcon is a team made up of 40k players, boo, but, try not to boo too much, but 
<laughs> they um, uh, hadn't played Age of Sigmar until this year. So they've done loads of 40k teams, and then they decided to play Age of Sigmar and do Age of Sigmar teams and then beat everyone else. So Age of Sigmar players not as good as 40k players. I mean, these guys seem to prove that. I don't know what's happening. Australia gang, can you sort it out, please? Because this is this is embarrassing for all of us. Right, the team consisted of Nick Wright, Alex Terrison, Paul Gurney, and Nick Terrison. Uh, I'm pretty certain... Oh, two brothers, Nick and Alex. That's great. Um, now, I know that Alex Terrison uh, took two weeks off before the event to paint his army up, which he'd never... Uh, well, he might have used, but it previously wasn't painted. Uh, so what does uh, what does the team uh, format look like, or what does a, a, team, a winning team list look like? Team events also... I've said team a lot there, I'm sorry. Team events also only allow... Uh, you to have one version of each army in the list. Normally, it's like you can only also include uh, the War Scrolls for one unit in one army. So, like, for instance, um, while uh, everyone can take Chronomantic Cogs, in a team format, probably only one player would be able to take Chronomantic Cogs. So we have one Beast of Chaos list, we have one Iron Jaws list, one Maggot King list, and one Carriage and Overlords list. So those are our, our four different factions. The Beast of Chaos list has a Zangor Shaman, a Dragon Oak Shagoth, a Slave to Darkness Demon Prince with a Mark of Corn, which is just outrageous. Yeah. Uh, six Dragon Ogres, six Dragon Ogres, uh, Tengor, Tengor, a Ravening Direflock, the Herdstone, and those two six... Zangor Enlightened on Disc of Zinch. If you actually track the stats, I actually think that uh, Beast of Chaos are getting better because I think the uh, Enlightened on Disc of Zinch are better now with their update uh, from the Zinch book um, than they were previously. So they're better. So the Beast of Chaos army is better, which is pretty nuts. Uh, then Alex Terrison was running uh, Blood Tooths in Iron Jaws. He had a war chant, or two war chanters, a Mega Boss on Moor Crusher and a Weird Knob Shaman uh, with the Great Big Green Hand of Gork, obviously. Uh, also, the Mega Boss on Moor Crusher had the Arcane Tome. Uh, so he had the Basham Lads uh, spell, which is the 16-inch, uh, weirdly 16-inch aura for plus one to wound for units around him, uh, which is phenomenal, especially when you give out multiple pluses to here. So the whole army is basically twos and twos. Uh, then he's got two units of six Gorgon and three units of three Gore Grunters, all in a battle reg. Uh, then Paul Gurney was running Maggotkin, Droning Guard. He had the Great and Clean one, um, uh, and that was it, I think. Wow, just a Great and Clean one. Two units of ten Plague Bearers, three Nurglings, and then two units of five Blight Kings, and then three units of three Plague Drones. Wow, that is very much not what we see. The Droning Guard, normally we see Drowned Men, normally you see Puscal Blight Lords. That's a fun list. That's very different to what we've normally seen. The Great and Clean one is just absolutely fantastic, right? Like, very, very tough to clear off the board. Heal quite well. Um, quite fighty as well. Uh, really, really good. And then Nick Terrison was running Carajan Overlords in Barrack Zilfin. Carajan Overlords players. Happy I've learned how to say that word correctly after four years. Proud of you. Uh, Aether Chemist. Aether Navigator. Arcanaut Admiral. Three lots of ten Arcanaut Company. An Ironclad. Oh, it was a Crunchbine Incarnate list. They got me in the first half, I'm not going to lie. But it's an Incarnate list. That's what it is. That's what it'll always be. So congratulations to prepping for Sorkon. A prep, uh, uh, congratulations to Gabe and everyone else who helped run the Runax Team Championships. Team Championships, super cool. Really fun. Love seeing more of that. Great for Australia as well, because I know Australia really want to improve how they did at Worlds last year uh, and getting more team tournaments, more team 
format events happening in their country will really help like the player base really understand what's happening there. So really fun, really looking forward to it. Hopefully, hopefully CanCon uh, make it 300, Clint. Uh, which is the largest, well, has up until now has been the largest Age of Sigmar event in the world, and I still think it has that title, uh, will be happening in January, January the 22nd and 23rd. Um, and so we're looking forward to 250-ish players playing Age of Sigmar at CanCon. Uh, um, coming up very soon so lots of people prepping for that it's going to be really good and really fun to see that the 40k community which is very alive in Australia don't forget the 40k Australian t uh, community are the uh, world team champions of 40k um, they played at that event that they do um, so congratulations to them uh, and everyone there I hope it was a lovely time and I hope you had a great time loads of love the first event we're going to no this is the second event the second event we're looking at after the team event we just looked at is over in New Zealand it's called Call to Arms 2022. And this was won by James Struthers. He was the only one to go four wins and a draw. No five O's at this event. And his draw was round one. So nice submarine in James. Big love to you. He was running Beast of Chaos and he was running the All Herd. Okay. He had a Dragon Ogre Shagoth, a Great Bray Shaman, and the Zangor Shaman Beast of Chaos. He had three lots of 10 Ungor, two units of six Dragon Ogres, and two units of Zangor Enlightened on discs. Um, he had the Warlord and he had Bounty Hunters. His um, his Zangor Enlightened were Bounty Hunters and his Dragon Ogres. Uh, and one of his Dragon Ogre units. And then the Ungor were Unmatched Conquerors. So congratulations to him. Uh, you don't need me to know, explain this, but just very quickly. Um, four up rally on some of the... On any unit that you want. Four up rally on. Extra rend in the game. Great summoning for summoning loads of extra points. Probably averaging between three to seven hundred points um, for a beast of chaos army uh, over the course of each game uh, to put on the board. So that's really good. Included with the rallies, great. Zangor and Lighted on disc are truly incredible, in my opinion. They're three hundred sixty points. They're very competitively priced. I personally think you want to put them like two hundred, two ten. They're wildly good for what they do. They're fast. Their output is wicked. They've got great survivability now with a new four plus save that they got given. Great unit. Oh, he also had a Mindstealer Sphinx. So that would have been using the old rules where you can make units fight last, which is also fantastic as a unit as well. So that's Beast of Chaos. Um, in second place, though, is this legend, Blair Hemming. He was in Ogremore Tribes. This would have been an old book with Blood Gullet. He had a Butcher. He had Slaughtermaster, and he had a Frost Lord on Stonehorn. He had 12 Ogre Gluttons. Let's go. 48 wounds on a 5-up save with very low bravery. 8 Iron Guts and 4 Iron Guts. So he had a Meat Mountain. He had a Frost Lord and Stonehorn for some big um, impact hits. 12 Ogre Gluttons for just grabbing objectives. Uh, in Bounty Hunters, those, uh, those uh, Ogre Gluttons, by the way. The Iron Guts also in Bounty Hunters and the 4 Iron Guts. That is meaty. That's what I'm going to say. Big and powerful. Uh, and how did it work? Just charged in and did loads of damage. Um, and then you got Trey Winnicker. Uh, Winnicker. So thank you for people in the chat. He was running Fire Slayers. He was running Lofnir. So I think he would have been using loads of Magma Droths. But his list isn't included. So I can't tell you what it was. I'm sorry. But congratulations to everyone in New Zealand. They've got a very competitive, very strong, very healthy agency in our community. It's great to see another event uh, being played out there. I hope everyone had a great time. Um, and uh, Kia ora to all my friends over there. Our next event is in Kent. 32 players battled it out. 
in the Ragnarok AOS GT. We have two people on four wins and a draw and still no incarnates in the list, which is great. So Ryan, who flew over from Malta for the event, was running Disciples of Zinch, Host Arcanum, and Luke Skelton, um, who's very local to that event, I think, actually, and runs some events called Pub Hammer, uh, was running a Magikin of Nurgle list. So let's look at the list, shall we? Ryan, um, who was the undefeated Zinch player at AOS Worlds last year, in my opinion, one of the better-to-best uh, Zinch players in the whole world, uh, was running a Host Arcanum list, and this is all new book. He's running Cursling with the Eye of Zinch, um, and it, the command trait was the Cult Demagogue. This is super important because uh, when you cast a spell on a double, you can't unbind it, and it counts as two fate points. Cursling also, when he unbinds a spell, gets to cast a spell, and if you cast a spell on the double, then... That's more fate points. Just very good, the cursing for 180 points, in my opinion. Uh, Kairos with three casts. That's more fate points. Lord of Change with two more casts, and those are both giving plus one cast each out in an aura for plus two to cast. So plus two to cast, and then there's going to be Chronomantic Cogs in here as well for reroll casts. Um, and then a Flux Master uh, with the Arcane Tome, so to cast two spells. He's going to be at the back of the board with a spell portal, and he's going to be casting his spell through a spell portal, which generates more fate points. This, this list, along with the two units of ten pink horrors, which generate fate points on three up, is probably generating about 700 points worth of uh, units a game. Maybe more. Like, maybe more. And don't forget, if you get 20 fate points, then you're going to rock out ten pink horrors, which is going to be 50 wounds. Uh, this whole list is actually... Oh, he hasn't got the rerolls. Amazing. Um, this whole list is only 69 points... Uh, 69 wounds, sorry. He's, his endless spells are the Horrorgast. So you can't take Inspiring Presence. The Burning Sigil of Zinch, which is phenomenal. And the Umbral Spell Portal. And he's 1975 points. Uh, spell Portal. You're kind of locked in with Zinch list in the future. This will be very common. Burning Sigil is just such incredible value for what it does in the game. Uh, and will win you games in some cases. The Umbral Spell Portal is incredibly important with the Flux Master. Those two combined are just going to generate your fate points. And so then your swing vote on what you're going to cast is... Uh, this little unit here, if you notice, he only ha he didn't have enough points for Horogas, uh, for Chronomantic Cogs, which is now 70 points. So Horogas in the list as well. Um, but you're pretty much always going to see Spell Portal and Sigil. Uh, and then Horogas is going to change for Cogs or something else, depending on the list. Uh, Lord Change is not a triple caster. Fucking can't believe I got baited in the chat by that. No! He's on! It's two casts! <laughs> Get out. Uh, and then Luke was running Magikin and Nurgle. Um... Uh, he's got a lot of afflictions um, uh, with the command trait over Parastench and also the split horn helm. Um, he's then got a Lord of Plagues as well, which is cool. That's quite neat. Then he's got uh, a unit of five Blight Kings, two units of four Puskal Blight Lords, another unit of five Blight Kings, and then a Mind Stealer Spharynx in his list as well. So he's got two massive units of, of uh, Puskal Blight Lords that are going to go forward. They're going to be 32 wounds on a 4-up, 5-up, a 4-up armor save, 5-up ward save. Um, and then he's got two units of uh, Blight Kings to hold objectives as well, which is just another ton of wounds on 4-up wards. And then the Mind Stealer Spharynx to make you fight last. So some really cool stuff there. Like Luke obviously um, switching up, having all Puskal Blight Lords, switching out the Incarnate as well, and just more playing into how the army plays. Uh, so it's super strong. And I, I expect lists to go... I mean, the Mind Stealer Spharynx will change now as a list uh, because it's not as good and probably will get dropped out of the list. But, you know... Uh, quite an interesting build, and congratulations to both of those two players. Our next event's in Sweden, at the Realm of Geddon. 20 players, battle it out, 
And th- they topped it out with Jonas Radomir winning the event going 5-0. Now, Jonas is a bit of a galaxy brain. He's, uh, he's put all of us on notice with his Heathen Knights of Sinesh 5-0 list. He's running Godseekers, and he had Glottos Oskillian. Don't forget, Glottos is a great wizard. He's got that command ability, so when he does damage, he can heal units around him and himself. Then Dexessa was taken, the Talon of Sinesh. This is the fighty um, one of the two different talons, or like of those big bird ones. Um, it's got a, it's got ten wounds on a four up save, two hundred seventy points. It's minus one to hit, and uh, it's got an okay combat profile, and then can issue a command once per battle. If it does strike first uh, against a unit, or if it does fight against a unit, it gets plus one to its uh, melee profile for the rest of the game, and it is cumulative. So uh, that's pretty interesting as a piece. And then Sigvald uh, was 205 points. Sigvald, obviously a fantastic piece. Great duelist character. Uh, super fighty. Uh, really good in combat. Three times 11 Bliss Barb Archers for some long-range shooting. A unit of five Slick Blade Seekers. Uh, and then six Fiends. And these six Fiends are actually quite an interesting unit. They're four wounds on a five-up save for 175 points for three or 350 points for six. They have uh, two profiles, uh, both of which work based off how many wounds the opponent opposing unit hit has, basically. The Stinger, if it's got, uh, could get up to D6 damage, but there's only one attack uh, per Stinger, so six from the unit. And uh, there are four attacks on the other weapons, and if they're rolling sixes to wound, it becomes D3 damage, otherwise it's flat one damage. Uh, I really don't see where the output comes from this list. I also don't know where the survivability comes from this list. It's a very interesting army. Uh, you've got 60 shots coming from the Bliss Barb Archers, which is pretty cool, or technically 66, or whatever it is. Um, so there's some output there. Sigvald's got some great damage. Glottos is fun in a fight. Um, but yeah, quite interesting. Quite interesting, actually, that this did really well. Uh, our second place list, we went 4-1, is also Sinesh. But this was a Crossbind Incarnate list with some Bliss Barb Archers. And then finally, uh, Mikael Magnuson. Oh, our second place list was being run by Sebastian Hedberg. And then our third place list was Mikael Magnuson with Blades of Corn, And he was basically pushing Bellacourt and Scarbrand around, uh, using Bellacourt to pin his opponent, stop them using one of their key pieces. And then Scarbrand just sacrificing the whole army so that he can eventually just yeet stuff into the sky. Okay, so uh, our biggest event of the week was... Oh, well, I suppose not our biggest. I guess the team event was way bigger. But a big event of the week. 64 players uh, were playing in the Slambo GT, which was a Texas Masters event. It was actually live-streamed on the Weird Knobs... Uh, Twitch channel if you'd like to go check it out and you go watch some of those games. Um, it was super cool. I tuned in for a little bit. Okay, so in first place was Gavin Greiger, uh, doing great as always, uh, with Seraphon, Thudder Lizard, Croak, Ashroth, Banabera, Skink Priest, Engine of the Gods, um, and then 20 Skinks, 2 lots of 10 Skinks, 5 Soros Guard, and then the 2 Bacillodons with the Arcosotech, Bacillodon with the Solar Engine, and then Horogast and Chronomantic Cogs. Don't need me to explain this. It's one of the best lists in the game, played by one of the best players in the game. It's great. Really good. Solid. Excellent work. Uh, great news, though, in for our other 5-0. Matt Robbish uh, was running Silverneth, and they got 5-0, which is very rare. Normally, they do well, but a 5-0 is super rare. He was running Heartwood, and his season was the burgeoning. And then he had Dreitcher Hammerdreth, an Arch Revenant. That's it, which is pretty interesting. No Warsong Revenant, no Arch Rev, um, no, no, no Tree Lord Ancient. Then he had... Two lots of three Kurnoth Hunters with Great Bows, a unit of Kurnoth Hunters with Great Scythes, a unit of Gossamid Archers, and Revenant Seekers. His, uh, he had Battle Regiment uh, for a lot of the units, but his um, his Great Scythes were Bounty Hunters and his Revenant Seekers were uh, Bounty Hunters with Dreitcher. So 5-0 with Dreitcher. And I've said this before, 
I've really thought that lots of Silvernet players need to rethink how they're looking at the Silvernet book. And as you can see, Matt has done it here as well. Um, normally you would say, I can't believe that I've seen... Oh, he's got an Arch Revenant, sorry. So he does have the Arch Rev, which I just literally said he didn't. He had Dreitcher and an Arch Rev with War Seed of Rebirth. Um, this is a great list. The Colonel Hunters are really solid. He's been able to get himself... Normally you see six and he's got... Sorry, normally you see six or 12 and he's got 12 in here. But he's also got that additional unit of Revenant Seekers so he can heal into the Colonel Scythes. Really good, really cool. And Warsing is also something we've seen previously as well. This is where you get to move units up the board an additional three inches. Um, and as you can see, he hasn't taken uh, the the teleport spell uh, or the endless spell, so the Spice Swarm Hive. And instead, he's just moving up the board using the Gossamits, I think, to screen because they've got that two up move away and then charge in with these other units. Really cool list. Uh, shout out to him for doing so good. Look into the 4-1 category at Slambo. It got spicy. That's all I'm going to say. It got spicy. Tom Guan was running a Cities of Sigmar Halloheart list. And instead of taking the Incarnate, he took Bundo Whalebiter. So the things that you could do previously where you would make it so that when they take damage, you put mortal wounds back via a spell called Warding Brand works on Bundo, the original Warding Brand target. Uh, in addition, he took a unit of four Storm Drake Guard, um, which is an incredibly useful unit. Uh, and he had some flagellants <laughs> as his battle line for the battle tactic, a battle mage, a Lord Castellan, and the Celestial Hurricane for the plus one to hit. Yeah, the OG Bundo uh, is what he took. Um, Zach Christopher Schelling was running Marathi in the Bow Snakes and doing really well with it, 4-1. Zach Kennedy was running Fire Slayers in Lofnir. Uh, he had an Auric Runefather on Magmadroth, Runemaster Battlesmith. Then... 15 Hearthgarth Berserker and a Runeson on Magmadroth and another 15 Hearthgarth Berserkers. So 30 in total. Then uh, we had Ryan uh, Rutherford with three Gatebreaker Gargants and in Cronspine Incarnate in a Cronspine Incarnate list. Uh, Benjamin Ritz Richardson was loom running Lumineth Realm Lords and he was running Sire. Uh, and I'm sure this would have been Old Book, in which case he was running 50 uh, Wardens and 40 Sentinels and some characters in his list. Stephen De La Garza was running his Host of Sinesh list um, and he was running a Bladebringer, Sigvald and the Contorted Epitome. Three units of three Bliss Barb Archers. Two units of ten Simbramesh Twin Souls. Two Alloyed Fumeroid Crushers. Alloyed? Allied Fumeroid Crushers. And two units of five Centigore. And the Geminid of Ulgi the Geminids of Ulguish. So the Bliss Barb Archers do the shooting as we talked about before, and Sigval does all the fighting as he does. The Bladebringer is actually genuinely a really fighty unit as well, can do lots of damage. Uh, and the Court and Torted Epitome is a great caster um, because of the reroll ones that hit spell, but also has got the uh, flaming weapon ability uh, spell, which you can put on one of their fighting weapons, and they've got a great fighting weapon. So that's really effective as well. The Twin Souls are interesting, as are the Centigore with the Fomeroid Crushers, because the Fomeroid Crushers can blow up a terrain piece and do mortal wounds unit around it. And don't forget, with Sinesh Army, if you do damage but don't kill it, you generate loads of depravity. So he was using the Fomeroid Crushers to do loads of mortal wounds into his own army, as well as eventually maybe the opposing army, and then uh, get lots of depravity for lots of summoning. That's how the list works. So loads of depravity for this army to summon... Uh, and so just and the Bliss Barb Archers can split shots and do even more damage. Um, very interesting. 
But that's not even the most interesting list. As if Stephen Delagaza could be outdone for interesting and cool lists. Brian Lofton rocked up with his Ogre Moor Tribes Underguts army. That's right, Underguts. He has a Butcher. He has the Hrothron, uh, the Hunter. One Tyrant and Black Powder's Buccaneers. Then there's eight Lead Belchers, two times four Lead Belchers, and four Iron Blasters. Now, these are old school Iron Blasters, not the current new uh, Iron Blasters. Two lots of 20 Noblars and the Man Trappers. I assume the Noblars were screens to stop him being charged. The Iron Blasters do one shot that hits on a four at range, but in Underguts, it can do two shots with a Commander Belay. <coughs> and then the Lead Belchers uh, get extra shots if they don't move. D6 shots, I think, uh, in Underguts, uh, and can fight quite well. So. I mean, incredible stuff. I, Brian, you're my hero. I've wanted someone to do that underguts list, and you did it. So, well done. And then Andrew Fournier was running a uh, Seraphon Thunder Lizard list with some stuff in. Uh, and congratulations to him. It looked cool. Uh, so, yeah, like, absolutely great stuff um, uh, from Sambo GT. Wicked. Love that. Let's go. Okay, so uh, what do we think of the event results this week this is kind of interesting because we have a lot of events where lists were submitted before the new battle scroll update so we're not necessarily getting all of the info there while also getting some new battle scroll uh results as well um yeah i mean it seems like sinesh are doing quite well this week which is weird uh, <laughs> and all the lists are pretty different with some um bliss bob archers featuring pretty heavily in those lists as well other than that, the, there's some usual names and some usual faces, which is kind of interesting. Uh, I think I honestly am kind of okay with this GHB ending in January at this point. I think there's still some play in the, in the game. I think the armies that have just come out are going to affect that game even more so. So I'm looking forward to that um, and seeing how they play. But new Battle Scroll changes aren't really going to start to be noticeable for the next two months and December is normally where events kind of start to implode because there's no event results obviously because everyone's celebrating um, some special holidays or something so yeah there's only about six weeks eight weeks left of the of the of this meta and I don't think Battle Scrolls necessarily going to see the impact or we're not going to necessarily be able to track it but some interesting results definitely from this week Sinesh Stonks not really sure about that but pretty wild uh, yeah, and, and two new Battle Tomes about to hit as well, with new Lumineth still hitting, uh, like, from there. Stats, we talked about those as well. Those are interesting. Bigger stats dive later on in the week. And there we go. Yeah, I hope uh, everyone enjoyed the show. Thanks for supporting it. Uh, please do listen to... Uh, please do... If you listen to it on the podcast, please do stay hydrated. Thanks to everyone on the Patreon for supporting the show. And please do like, comment, and subscribe, and all that other stuff. Thanks for listening. <laughs>